Well, good morning. This morning we have the opportunity to once again look upon our Lord and to glorify Him and see and celebrate the structures and design that He has put into place. We do that this morning by celebrating mothers. And so I begin by saying, first off, Happy Mother's Day to those of you there. This morning I want to bring to you before bring you before a text that is very well known specifically when we speak of women. It's a text that is idolized and idealized. And I want you to see the relevance of this text by interpreting and examining man's interpretations, but looking at the Lord's expectations. And so I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31, and I want to bring to you a message that I have titled, The Mythical Creature of Proverbs 31. I'm glad you caught that. (laughs) It is a longer text, once again, that I'll be reading, but those of you who are able, I would ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter 31, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat of the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You may be seated. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, A mist 
was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Before all women were, Eve already was. As the very first woman, Eve occupies a unique place in history. She is the only woman to know the perfection of the Garden of Eden. She is the only woman to experience a perfect relationship with God before the fall. In that fall, though, she also finds herself shouldering the blame, first justly from God, but also unjustly from Adam. And as the first woman, all of humanity traces its lineage to her. However, the account of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 points to something else unique about Eve. Throughout all of history, since the beginning of creation until now, and from now until the end of the future, every person has had a mother, except Eve. Eve holds the distinction of being the only woman, and Adam the only man, who have never had a mother. The most fundamental level, this should cause us to see the goodness of God, actually. First, because it was part of his creation. And the fact that God created them, we should be able to look upon that and say, this is part of God's goodness. Because indeed, God looked at creation and said, it was good. The very fact that God chose to create humans at all is a demonstration of his goodness. But a deeper examination is worth noting here. Where do parents learn how to be parents? Most of them by observing their own parents. And then, of course, we have the word of God. Daughters learn by watching their mothers, and and sons learn by watching their fathers. But Eve had no example to go before her. Some may choose to look upon the children of Adam and Eve and, and say they fell short as parents. And in one sense, indeed, they did. One of their children was a murderer by murdering his own brother. But we must also remember that at this point in creation, we have the fall, and so creation is influenced by sin. This means that Adam and Eve, living with the sin in them, indeed probably fell short, as any parent does these days. But the fact that Adam and Eve could parent at all is a demonstration of God's goodness. Because it means that at this point, God has revealed himself enough and revealed his plan enough that they have enough knowledge to even parent at all, that they can even raise their own children. And so we look upon Eve and recognize her unique role as a mother without a mother herself. The life of a human is impossible without the life of a mother. This is just part of God's designs. Ultimately, we know that the Lord is the one who creates all people. The psalmist has declared, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's Psalm 139. 
Even in that declaration, though, we see that God's design was to use a woman for the continuation of family. While he had no human father, even Jesus Christ had a human mother. In the reading of our text this morning, we read of both Elizabeth and Mary, who, at the Lord's discretion, each became pregnant. This is treated as a joyous occasion for both of them. At one point, Elizabeth, as they meet, Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth declares this to be a tremendous blessing in verse 42 of Luke chapter 1. And so wondrous is this event that Mary then responds with a great song, proclaiming the excellency of God. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Certainly Mary's situation was unique. She was carrying, after all, the one who had been long prophesied about from long ago. He was indeed the one who would save humanity from their sins. But that doesn't take away from the fact that mothers are still revered, and we see it revered in that context. It is from inside the womb of a mother that a child has his or her first experiences. From within the womb, a child has its first knowledge, and it comes in the form of nurture and care. This model of care and compassion over people doesn't occur just before birth only, but we see it modeled after birth as well, in the way that a mother cares for her child. Women, definitely much more than men, are known for their tenderness and their kindness, their sympathy and empathy, much more than men are. Throughout scripture, women are revered. We see that in its entirety. They are exalted for their work according to the Lord's will, praised for their spiritual influence in the lives of individuals particularly in their families. And so this morning I bring you to this text in Proverbs so that we may see the value and honor of women. This section of Proverbs, beginning in verse 10, is what is known as an acrostic poem in which each letter represents the start of a new phrase. In English, it would be the first first phrase begins with the letter A, the second phrase begins with the letter B, and so on, except, of course, this uses the Hebrew alphabet. And so that's what we see here. And fittingly, this is the end of, the, of Proverbs, of all the chapters that we've just read. And it becomes to the climax of Proverbs, exemplifying what indeed is wisdom. Everything that has been said since Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, culminates on these points, acting as a summary of everything that has been taught. This particular text is just as intimidating today as it was when it was written. It sets a standard by which many women measure themselves, and probably the standard by which many men evaluate women. And yet it is a standard unachievable in the human flesh. From this text, people easily create a model of the ideal woman, a mythical creature who is idolized and yet impractical. And so this morning, I want to place this text before you, and I want to remove those unattainable expectations and highlight the excellencies of a woman. And so we begin, I want you to know first, the woman's rarity, the woman's rarity in verses 10 through 18. This rarity is expressed primarily in verse 10, where it says, an excellent wife, who can find? 
She is far more precious than jewels. It's worth noting that the word wife here in this text is the same word as translated woman in verses 29 and 30. And so it's more appropriate to say an excellent woman who can find. Simply by asking that question, who can find her, the author is suggesting that a woman of this quality is rare. So rare is this woman, it is compared to the rarest of jewels. And she is said to be far more precious than any of those. Remembering the movie, The Titanic, that was released in 1997, we see that the whole movie is tied to the one jewel, this blue diamond that is known as the heart of the ocean. It is so rare that one man considers it the most precious gift that he can give to his soon-to-be bride, Rose, because it's the most costly gift he can give her. It is also so rare that the story comes in that a group of ocean explorers are spending millions of dollars and years of their life searching the wreckage of the Titanic, trying to recover this one jewel. And then at the end of the movie, it is revealed that Rose, who survived the sinking of the Titanic, is actually still in possession of it, still in possession of this heart of the ocean. And do you remember what she does with it? She saunters towards the back of a deck on the boat she's on and she ascends this barricade and she takes that blue diamond and tosses it back over into the ocean. At 14, I still remember the rave reviews that that movie received. They were glowing and everybody loved this production. But yet everybody seemed united in their anger in one thing, that she threw it over. (laughs) And they kept asking, why did she throw it away? The reason they ask this is because to them, the rarity of something like this, the history it contained, and the monetary value of it meant that this was something to be treasured and enjoyed. And so it is with the woman of Proverbs 31. In fact, she is far more precious than even that. And so we see here what it is that makes her so rare. And the author explains two things in verses 10 through 18. And I would sum it up this way, her devotion and her diligence. In verses 11 and 12, we see her devotion to her husband. She does him no harm and instead only does him good through all of her days, it says. This is a woman who is trustworthy with her husband's dignity and honor. She doesn't gossip. She does not bring shame to the family. She's known for her work in these verses. And soon we'll see that she's known for her compassion as well. She is the fulfillment of Proverbs 12.4, which states an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Because of her, it says in verse 11, he will have no lack of gain. That phrase, no lack of gain, is the same word used for a violent gang who plunders and takes what is not theirs in Proverbs chapter 1 and Proverbs 16. But here in this text... It is something gained freely. The greatest treasure is not the physical wealth. Instead, those who have found the noble character of a woman have found something more precious. In response, it says the husband trusts in her. Notice the text doesn't say that he trusts her. It says he trusts in her. This is a woman to be treasured, and he places 
all his trust in her. He is urged not to forsake her in Proverbs 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. And then verse 8 says to prize her highly. And so indeed, she is to be treasured. But then notice not only her devotion, but as it goes on, we see her diligence in verses 13 through 18. Just reading these verses serves to place a lot of pressure on any woman. It says she is a woman who's seeking goods and then putting those goods to work herself. She does the work with her hands. She seeks her food from afar. Verse 15, it says she arises while it is still night and provides food for her household. However, before feeling overwhelmed by the implications of such a text, you need to consider the unusual circumstances of this text. She's not... She's out there buying and selling fields. She's planting vineyards on her own property. That signifies something that most women, even in that day and age, didn't have access to. By verse 15, we're told that she has servants. So this is a woman of great prominence and great wealth. She's not your typical woman. And so before feeling defeated by this text, we need to recognize that she's living what is not a normal lifestyle of every woman. Looking upon the words of this text, we recognize, though, that this woman is not praised for her physical work. Rather, it is pointing to her character. This is a woman who is living wisely and responsibly, and that's the highlight of our text The Proverbs 31 woman lives wisely by displaying discretion. Proverbs 11.22, it stipulates, A beautiful woman without discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. But here in our text, we see that this woman indeed has discretion. What it says is that she is buying and working and selling. And that in itself displays that she's a woman of discretion. Proverbs 31 also lives, one woman also lives wisely by using her time effectively. She works with willing hands in verse 13. She arises while it is yet night, verse 15. And her lamp does not go out at night, verse 18. She's not like the sluggard of Proverbs 26, 16, who is wise in his own eyes. This lady's wisdom is shown by not being a sluggard. And finally, the Proverbs 31 woman lives wisely by living according to the Lord's will and word. Notice what verse 13 says. It says she seeks wool and flax. By the word seek, we see first off that the indication that she is being discerning, seeking the best of the materials that she needs to run her household. But notice further that this woman simply obeying the Lord. By seeking wool and flax, she's keeping with his command in Deuteronomy 22.11, which says, you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. And she's not mixing them in the product that she's making. This is the rarity of the excellent woman. She is wise, and her wisdom is displayed in her devotion and her diligence. I want you to note, second, the woman's responsibility Reading verses 19 and 20, it says, She puts her head hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. It is at this point in the text that we arrive at the midpoint. 
It's evidenced by that repeated word, hands. And it is those hands that become the focus of the text here. We see first her closed hands. The distaff and the spindle are simply tools of her trade. They are the implements that she uses in order to produce her linens and her clothing that she uses to then clothe her household and sell to earn a living. And so in putting her hands on those tools, she's closing her grip on them, giving evidence both to her willingness to work and her diligence in the work that she does. In this way, we see her compassion towards her family. She's willing to use her labors for their good. However, as much as her hands close around the tools of the trade, they're also frequently opened to those in need. Proverbs 31 begins explaining the origins of this text. That is an oracle from the mother of King Lemuel. And in the beginning verses, specifically verses 5 through 9, she urges him responsibility towards the needy. She calls on the king to act compassionately towards those that have the greatest need, even though they're likely not able to pay back that kindness, whether now or later. And so in this way, the woman of Proverbs 31 is, again, the fulfillment of the noble character that we just discussed from Proverbs 12. As quickly as her hand closes on those tools, her hand then quickly reopens to give away what she's already earned. What does a woman of this character look like? If I were to ask you to give me an example of this, where would you go? Who would you point to? Every time this week I sat down to read these verses and prepare for today, my mind kept going to the same examples. And they all come from the women of this church. I've seen those with gardens working laboriously over their plots, only to turn around and then give away a whole bunch of their own stuff to others. In the same way, we have those who have animals or fruit trees and even flower beds who have taken what the Lord has allowed them to cultivate and then just lavish that produce on others, whether in this church or outside of. But I want you to take a step further. When we read the text and notice that one hand closes, and she works diligently, she then opens it up and gives away what she's worked for. And whenever I think of that, my mind goes to the quilters. If you have ever watched the ladies work, you see them grasping their needles and pulling the thread, utilizing, indeed, the tools of their trade to produce something of tremendous quality. More importantly, they invest hours of their time and work outside of church, not just here when they meet, but each one of them at home, taking their time that could be used for something else to continue that work. And my point is this. In the same way, they close their hands on their tools to make those quilts, and immediately, what do they do with those quilts? They open their hands and give them away. That's what we see in our text. This is a woman of compassion, first by providing for her own, but then also by providing for those who aren't even part of her own family. In Isaiah 49.15, Isaiah compares the compassion of the Lord with the compassion of a woman. And he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? 
more specifically then we see the woman's compassionate character displayed in her role as a mother in trying to share an example of genuine compassion in human form isaiah draws from the example of a woman because indeed they're often noted for their compassion and so once again in proverbs 31 the proverbs 31 woman is not defined by her physical efforts she's defined by her character I want you to note third, the woman's dignity of verses 21 and 27. And I want to read to you specifically just verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Because of the way this text is structured, much of what was read in verses 10 through 18 will now be repeated in verses 21 through 27. As he reiterates the points, the author brings back a picture of a regal, dignified woman, a woman who is respected. We notice first that her honor is reflected in her outward appearance. Verses 21 and 22, they speak to the garments and the linens that she uses for her household, that she makes for her household. It says she has clothed her house in scarlet and made bed coverings and fine linen and purple. Both of those dyes reflect wealth and status. As repeated throughout scripture, purple in particular signifies royalty because it was especially expensive. This one, having been formed of glandular fluid and sea mollusks, was incredibly rare and demonstrated once again just how prosperous this household was. But notice the weight that is given not to the woman's clothes developed by the work of her hands. But more importantly, it says she's clothed in strength and dignity. I want to take a moment and look at this word strength. It is the same word used in verse 3 of the same chapter. And there, King Lemuel's mother teaches, Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. In that context, what we see is more of a physical connotation of strength in the king. But now we have a woman clothed in strength. So what does that mean? And to understand that, we look back at the beginning of our text in verse 10. It's written there, an excellent wife who can find. Some of your text may say a virtuous wife or a virtuous woman. That word virtuous or excellent is once again the same word translated strength in verse 3. And I point this out for a reason. In scripture, we see that both men and women described as strong. And so despite the claim, there is no weaker sex. What is different is we see that it's manifested differently. Here, in this woman, it is manifested by her virtue. We also see that she is a responsible administrator in verses 21 and 25 and 27. Her virtue is also displayed in her dignity of verse 25. It's seen in her wise speech of verse 26. The Proverbs 31 woman, then, is a woman of excellence because she is clothed in dignity. And now I want you to notice, finally, a woman's testimony in the final verses of the chapter. Specifically, take note of verses 28 and 31. Verse 28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. 
And then verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Again, like the woman of wisdom found in Proverbs 12.4, this is a woman of noble character as evidenced by the way people respond to her. Sometimes I think children are evidence of God's sense of humor. As though God said, here, you see what it's like to create somebody in your own image, and then when they grow up, they'll deny your existence. (laughs) What we see here, though, is quite the opposite. Together, the children see who she is, and they call her blessed. Once again, it's not because of who she is physically. It doesn't even seem to be that they're responding to what she has done, but because of who she is in character. It goes on and says her husband also praises her. Specifically in verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Notice that in verse 23, her husband is known at the gates and he sits among the elders of the land. It was at the city gates that elders would sit and they would hear legal arguments and render judgments. And so this is what's going on here in that time. And it is here that her husband then is known. In the context of these verses, it seems to assume that he is known not just because of his work, but because of her work. In other words, the woman is an asset, doing her work that allows him to then do his work. It's often said that behind every good man is a better woman. As much as we laugh and joke about that adage, it carries a lot of weight. The only reason I'm able to be here this morning is because of the encouragement and the work of my wife throughout the week. In commenting on these verses, specifically on 11 and 12, Jim Neuheiser writes, I've seen many great men greatly improved by the marriage to the right woman. And so indeed, her husband's going to raise up and praise her. But a woman's worth is not only praised by those within her household, we see that it also comes from outside the household as well. We see that in verse 31, that the work of her hands has shown her to be a woman of character and wisdom, so that she is then praised publicly, as evidenced by being praised from the gate. This is the testimony of a Proverbs 31 woman. While much is said about the activities of a woman in these verses, those activities always point back to her attributes. She is notable and noble, not because of what she did, but because of who she was. And that impacted what she did. So before us in our text this morning is a description of the woman's rarity. A woman in this text is described as rare and to be treasured like precious jewels. We see a description of a woman's responsibility. She labors for her family and for those outside of her family, opening her hands to the needy. Additionally described as a woman's dignity. Despite the work of her hands producing clothes and linens and garments, she is clothed in strength and dignity. And finally, we're offered a description of her testimony in which she is praised inside the house by her children and her father, but also outside the house by everyone else. Reading through this text, we see this long list of what this woman has done. 
intimidating every woman and every reader and convincing them that they must do the same. But again, these are special circumstances for a woman of specific status and specific wealth. More importantly, what is displayed in this text is the character of this woman and not her work so much. Her character is derived from one source and is found in verse 30. The text reads, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. She's driven not by fear of man, but by a fear of the Lord. And what are the consequences of having a fear of God? Wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Outward appearances such as charm and, and beauty are meaningless if they're not accompanied by a healthy fear of God the Creator. In fact, she has no concern about those outward appearances. She's more concerned about her inward heart, which begins with a reverence for God. And in fearing God, then she is a woman of wisdom. And she lives by that wisdom, is what we're seeing in this text. I wish we had time to go back to the book of Ruth and look at Ruth and Naomi, because I think as you read that text, you would see much of these qualities come out. This is a woman who ties her heart not to herself, but she binds it to God. And in doing this, ties it to a love of others. Our text is a demonstration of this attitude. For so long, this text is read as an intimidating characterization of what every woman should be, chaining her to these physical labors. But it's not the physical labors that draw attention and praise. It's her character of loving God that is displayed in a love for others, which is exactly how Christ summed up the law and the commands of Scripture. Is it not? The Proverbs 31 woman is not a mythical creature unattainable for any woman. The Proverbs 31 is simply a woman following Christ. And so it's not so much about what a woman does, but more about who she is. Let's pray. Our Father God, we come before you grateful for your design, grateful for the way you've implemented your creation, bringing forth a family as a structure and unit to all of society, Lord. And Father, today we get the privilege of celebrating your design of women, Lord. We give you great praise, knowing that indeed you are a perfect God, that this was a perfect plan. And Father, we're grateful that we get to reap the benefits of that today. We thank you for, for mothers and grandmothers and, and sisters and, and siblings and friends, Lord. And Father, we, we give you just glory for that. May we celebrate these women not just today, but as that is the character of her, their lives that we've seen, may that be the character of our response to them, Lord, to honor you by honoring them. And so, Father, we commit all of these things to you, thanking you for who you are. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.